Yes, indeed, we have reached the first of two days of a barrage of games in the 2021 NCAA tournament, and we're ready to talk all about it on the nation's basketball show and podcast. It is college basketball coast-to-coast on the Friday of the 2021 tournament. The much-delayed, after a year off, tournament is here. And however you found this show, whether it's a social media link, etc., we're streaming on TuneIn, top and bottom of the hour, also in podcast form on Apple Podcasts. You can find us, follow us there, keep up with the show that's here every day, right around lunchtime, preview mode, recapping the next day, all the way through March, all the way through the Final Four. Love it. Want to tell you that in a little bit, I look forward to talking more about the Drexel Dragons. The 16 seed are in action this afternoon in Indianapolis against the one seed, Illinois. My buddy Joe Lisi from the Tampa Bay area, who's practically the only Drexel alum I know. He talked with me and Joe, by the way, not only pumped for Drexel, he is in Vegas as we speak at a sports book for both of the first two days. Just plop down in a chair and watch it all unfold. Joe will tell us all about that later on in the show. But without any further delay, I cannot possibly do this without my wingman, the former Purdue and South Florida assistant, 1980 Final Four alumni with the Purdue coaching staff, ESPN and SEC network analyst, longtime analyst with me on TuneIn, et cetera, and on college basketball coast to coast. The roll call is longer than like the list of games today for Mark <laughs> Wise, who is with me back on the program. Mighty one, we made it. We made it. We made it to the opening of the NCAA tournament. Okay, true confessions, TJ. Last night, I made a pack with myself. I'm watching from 5 o'clock on, I'm watching games. Heck, I'm watching NIT games. I'm channeling every chance I get, I'm flipping. And I made a pack with myself. I'm going to watch the first half of the Michigan State-UCLA game, and then I'm going to bed. So halftime comes, and I go, you know what? I'll give UCLA five minutes or so, and let's see what happens start the second half. And they make a little bit of a push. And so I said, okay, I'm going to give them to the under eight. And by the time we get to the under eight, um, you know, it's the fights in the middle of the ring and it's game on. And so, yeah, I went to bed at 1.15 last night, stayed up for the whole overtime. So from that standpoint, yeah, I'm thrilled the tournament is back. Uh, so many, um, I, I don't know that they were necessarily great games, but man, did we have some great theater last night. All four of them were dramatic in, in that even though Texas Southern had the widest margin at the end, they were down 10 in the first half or 10 at halftime and reversed it. Uh, the, the Norfolk State uh, App State game of the 16 seeds right down to the wire with App State making right. a comeback. It was a rock fight for Wichita State and Drake and a last second shot. And then a great comeback by UCLA a couple of times to get the game into overtime and a late night win. I agree with you. I mean, it was the perfect way. And again, bravo to the committee, to the organizers for making that a first four game, for putting it late night because the Western audience could watch it. I, again, we haven't seen the ratings on Friday morning, depending on when you're hearing us. I assure you there were a million more people watching (laughs) and maybe a couple of million more as that, as you described, Mark, that second half unfolded in the overtime because L.A., California, et cetera, was able to see it. So well done uh, across the board on all of that. And I'm excited to talk with you about so much uh, here. We're going to talk about the Friday games. Again, depending on when you're hearing us, as Friday unfolds, Friday morning, et cetera, you may know a result from a game that we're already talking about. And Mark will even touch a little bit on Saturday um, as well. All right, so 
let's let's begin with the finishes because you and I have debated back and forth, and I love it playfully, Mark. That we've debated back and forth right. about do you take a timeout at the end if the ball's in the right guy's hands? In what scenario, game tied or down one or whatever? So we had two scenarios at the end of the two games between Wichita State Drake, Michigan State UCLA, where a missed free throw by Drake resulted in Wichita State down one coming down the floor without a timeout. And I thought a bad shot, a 30-foot bad shot, could have been at least one more dribble, maybe two more dribbles. They lose. Michigan State elected in a tie game at the end to take a timeout and then set up a play, and it ended up being a bad shot. So I comically say to you, both of our arguments were blown up at the end of the first four last night because neither worked. Your thoughts? Well, uh, I would argue that Michigan State got the ball in the right person's hands. And, and actually had a, you know, I mean, what I don't like is the play that was called. In other words, I, I think we've become so get the ball in the right guy's hands and let him make a play. Well, I want movement. I want the other guy's movement. It's not a matter of just being spaced, but I want the defense to have to look around and try to figure out where things are going. And they have plenty of time to do that. Um, and, and that didn't work out. I'm a timeout guy. I mean, I just believe that you want to put everybody on the same page. I get it. I, I get it. You're opening up yourself. Uh, you're giving the other guy uh, a timeout as well. But in my world, I want everybody on the same page. Yep. And you make a great point that if you're not cutting to the basket, you're not coming to set a screen. It's almost like the NBA, the isolation thing. One-on-one, dribble, shoot, step back. I want to see more than that. We'll see. And we know out of 32 games today and tomorrow – as we're taping Friday and Saturday, there's going to be a fantastic finish or two or three or oh, yeah. beater. Will it be timeout or not? Will it be just take the ball down, right guy's hands, broken play, uh, et cetera? One of my counter arguments always with you is the defense doesn't know and can't on the fly set up the same way if you don't give them the benefit of the timeout. So that often helps, especially going right to the rim. It often helps. But, but people uh, don't go we'll to the rim. That's yeah, the problem. That's the Both part. of those games should have attacked the rim. And now both are home uh, and uh, and already some brackets suffering. The good news is you got to adjust because I had Michigan State winning a couple of games, as you and I have joked, and it doesn't happen. Down they go to UCLA, and now will UCLA use that win against uh, against BYU in the 11-6 game that's coming up? And Mark, by the way, is holding up to me as we're on an audio podcast, but we also have a little video rolling. I see the old-school handwritten bracket, and you've had what does BYU. That say right there? It says BYU all the way through to the Sweet 16. You didn't go ahead and put the Mormons in the Final Four, but you at least have them alive for a little while. Uh, here I do, on that. as a matter of fact. I like I like that on the brackets. All right, so let's dive into Friday here for a few minutes in the preview mode. If I say to you, whether it's an early game or later in the day, game or two that stands out and why, Mark Wise, what about it? Well, I, obviously, don't you have to start with the very first game? I mean, the 8-9 matchup that's, you know, uh, we've talked about this. I know you do a different podcast about these sorts of things, but any eight, nine games, seven, 10 game, you look at all the lines, they're one or two possession lines. I mean, these are all toss ups for the most part. Uh, so I'm curious to see how Florida uh, responds kind of limping to the finish line. I say that now two of their three losses were to Tennessee down the stretch. So I don't think there's any shame in that. Virginia Tech coming off their COVID pause, I think has only played three times in the last, what is it, three, four weeks. So uh, they had that to deal with. So, so that kind of is intriguing to me. 
I think the first upset that I have picked is in an afternoon game. I have Utah State beating Texas Tech. The reason I have that is because we know what style of play Texas Tech is going to give you, correct? They're going to be hard-nosed. They're going to be up in your grill. Um, They're going to push the ball in transition. But basically, they, they want to shut things down. Utah State beat San Diego State twice during the regular season. San Diego State plays just like Texas Tech. They don't push the ball as fast in transition, but defensively, they're very similar. So I think Utah State has something to fall back on in prepping for Texas Tech. So that's one game. Um, You know, it's interesting. um, We've talked about, and you've heard me say this for years, that you have to have a certain formula to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. It includes NBA talent. It it, it includes being able to score. The third thing is you must be healthy. So with right out at Georgia Tech, does that impact their game against Loyola? And then not only do we talk about injuries uh, um, in, in terms of being healthy, we also have to talk about COVID protocols this year in terms of being healthy. So that's a game. And then the night session, um, I, I've got all kinds of games that I think are intriguing. The Wisconsin-North Carolina game, I am really high on the way North Carolina is playing right now. As a matter of fact, I have North Carolina beating Baylor. But they've got to get past Wisconsin first in right. order to get to that game. So that intrigues me. Syracuse is another double-figure, double-digit upset that I have. This is not a vintage Bayheim zone. They're not as big. They're not as long on the wings. So I'm going with a system win here in terms of shutting down San Diego State. And then lastly, the Winthrop Villanova, because Villanova's damaged goods without uh, uh, Gillespie. So uh, the night session, uh, there won't be enough fingers for me to hit the remote enough. <laughs> Got to have multiple screens, as we say. And again, a lot of there are a lot of people that believe uh, I, I think that uh, Syracuse can win a couple of games, not just San Diego State here in the 11-6 that's at Hinkle Fieldhouse on Friday night. A lot of people believe Winthrop is going to handle Villanova. Winthrop's only lost one time. That's the last game at right around all things equal 10 Eastern time uh, at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum. Let me throw in one more thing. One game that I am not drinking the Kool-Aid on is Colgate and Arkansas. All right. Uh, a lot of people think Colgate uh, has a chance here at a, at a major upset in terms of a three, 14 beating a three. I've seen Arkansas play too many times. That's not going to happen today. Well, and one thing that you talked about earlier in the week in the preview mode, and again, you may be listening to us, and that game is right off the bat on Friday. So you may be listening in the, later in the day, and you know Mark is a genius. And, uh, and then again, or I don't know what I'm talking about. Don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) The only thing is you were bringing up the spreads and the matchups, eight, nine, seven, 10, uh, and even six, 11 games. And this is a wider one because this is a 14 seed against a three. Again, you look at the other 14 seeds. None of them are under double digits in terms of what the Vegas guys think. They thought right away. And it stayed there the whole week on the line that Colgate is somewhere around an eight point underdog only so Vegas believes this will be close and we'll see if it is close and if Arkansas plays tight I agree with you Musselman uh, has experience from Nevada as you know getting them into the Sweet 16 as a tournament coach that'll be an intriguing game early on and it may crank the tournament up if Colgate is putting the pressure on them and rattling them 
uh, a little bit in that matchup. But you did see a lot of these SEC teams play. And just real quick, for Moody and for Arkansas, they have firepower real quick. Uh, they're deep. Uh, they can beat you in a multiple of ways. And Musselman is not afraid to think out of the box. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, in, in old high school games where you would just send two guys defensively to go get the ball out of that guy's hands and you'd be willing to live with whatever's on the backside. Arkansas will do that. They did that with Sharif Cooper. They did that with Kentucky. They'll go run two guys and just make you play unpracticed shots. And if Colgate can, can handle that, um, they may be around at the end, but uh, uh, this is a deep team. It, they can play big with Vanover. They can play small. Uh, Justin Smith is on, was the captain of my all-glue team in the SEC. So uh, Moody is a marvelous and is ready-made for the next level. Love this. Again, love this man, Mark Wise, MW Hoops on Twitter. And again, he's part of College Basketball Coast to Coast as we rock on on the Friday preview. You may be hearing us and know some Friday results while we're talking about it uh, on College Basketball Coast to Coast on the podcast or streaming on TuneIn on the TAG Sports Group channel, TAG, TAG Sports Group, top and bottom of the hour show streaming. It's here every day, all the way through March, all the way through the Final Four. If I say to you, a Saturday game or two. Again, there's 16 more. We could talk for two hours about 16 more games. But a game or two, the number one seeds, again, are all in action on Saturday. A game or two, though, that you're looking ahead for while I have you right here? Well, I'm going to work backwards because there's a late-night game that I think a 14th seed actually does have a shot, and that's Abilene Christian. Uh, This is a team that's really disruptive on the defensive end. I get it. Texas is coming off winning the Big 12 tournament. They're playing well. Uh, But I'm just saying, I think that game can be closer than what people think. And then I'm going to the, I'm going to go to the throwback, the Big Eight brought the Big Eight matchup between Missouri and Oklahoma. I feel like we're back in the uh, 60s somewhere. And, and, (laughs) and Norm Stewart is coaching and, and, uh, Tubbs Tubbs is coaching at Oklahoma. So, Yeah, I'm going to watch that eight-night game with a lot of interest. All right, and then earlier in the day, Alabama, who you saw several times on your SEC network duties working games, they're in action with Iona. Again, a lot of people believe not to win. They believe that Iona can hang in there. I just don't know that they have the firepower and the athleticism with Alabama in that game. I don't know if you have yeah. a quick thought on that for Saturday afternoon. No, I, I really don't. And I, I think Alabama will win this game easily. Um, the, the opening game tomorrow, we talked about the opening game today. The opening game Saturday, I'm really curious to see if Georgetown can continue uh, the Big East momentum that they're, that they're on. By the way, I meant to say this earlier, and I forgot all about it. Did you, did you actually think that the ghost of John Wooden would allow UCLA to get beat in Mackey Arena? <laughs> when he's a Purdue guy, the late legend. Yeah, exactly. It's a good point that you make uh, on that. And maybe there's a little ghost of John Thompson. I know where you're going. Big John. <laughs> exactly. Uh, with Georgetown this time around. Now, wait a minute. Hold that bracket back up. The handwritten chicken scratch old school bracket that I love. Do you have the Hoyas advancing? And do you maybe even have them into the Sweet 16 uh, out of that bracket, upper left there, you got Georgetown over Colorado. Oh, I see verification. There they are. Georgetown, he's got them into the but, into the next round as a 12-5. But then they run into Florida State, and that, that'll be the end of their momentum. 
All right. But right now it's a great story for them. It's a great yep. story as well for Oregon State uh, as a 12 seed again, taking on Tennessee. Uh, both of those teams won their way in, as we've been talking about. Will it affect them quickly, uh, Mark? Will it affect them that they were red hot at the Garden and in Las Vegas uh, for Oregon State and then had to take a break for seven days? How much will it affect both of those 12 seeds that won their way in? Well, the bigger issue is not the time. The bigger issue is who they're playing. And so Oregon State um, getting Tennessee, um, again, I, I think that's a horrible matchup for Oregon State. Um, and in terms of Georgetown, I think the better matchup is Georgetown and Colorado. That's why I have Georgetown coming out. Now, is that a guarantee? No. But we all know the, the ghosts of 5-12 games. So you better have one or two 5-12 picks in your upset list. Yeah, no question that I know. I know there were no 5-12 upsets the last time we had a tournament two years ago, 2019. That's all the more reason, as Coach Wise is saying, you better have one this go around because a lot of times it's a 12 team with a chip on their shoulder or that's red hot that makes a move uh, in this tournament. Uh, I'm thrilled. I know you're thrilled as we progress on this Friday preview. Promise me that off the weekend I get you Monday because on Monday uh, we will have another day of action, unusual NCAA tournament, but we will know a lot more pieces to the puzzle off the first three massive days of the tournament for total that are going on. So I'll get you back on Monday. Are you ready to go for Friday and a little Saturday? Oh, man, come on. Luther Vandross. Let's go. Get me there. The ball is tipped on one shining moment. I love it. Mark Wise, thank you. Thanks, TJ. Oh, I've been waiting to do this ever since the bracket came out because I honestly have to say I only know one alumni of Drexel University in Philadelphia, but he's one of my guys. I always love spending time uh, talking to, getting breakdowns on spreads, on underdogs, on under-overs, on three-way different bets, on 77-team parlays from Joe Lisi, uh, who's been a 20-plus year friend of mine for the Tampa Bay area. I, I literally kid him. He is a retired nuclear engineer, literally a rocket scientist, to help me break all this down. But best of all on college basketball coast-to-coast, coast, he's here to plug us in on Drexel. I know they're a 16 seed playing Illinois, but if anybody's going to give me some breakdown on the Drexel Dragons, and at the same time, Lisi is literally on his way to Las Vegas at the time that we're taping this, to be in a Vegas sports book. So I want to hear about that too. Joe Lisi, welcome in. Great to have you. Thank you, TJ. I only get to wear this stuff every 25 years, so <laughs> I got it on. All right, so lean a little higher, and we see the Drexel pullover. There it is, and you've got the Drexel backwards hat. For the first time since 1996, I don't want to say Richard Nixon in 76, first time since 96, Drexel is in the tournament. Only the second time in school history, right? So how elated are you as an alum? Uh, correction on that. We are one in four in the tournament. Okay. Um, so uh, 25 years, a long time to wait. we got the men and the women in it this year. The women play right. Monday. The men play uh, on Friday. And, yeah, we're a 22-point underdog to Illinois. And, you know, but I won't be worried unless we fall behind by 35. Because okay. as you know, the largest comeback in Division One basketball history is 34, and you know who owns that. The Drexel Dragons own that. You've been preaching that to me, that no, no lead is safe with your team. 
uh, if, if that is the case. And I should make mention, I am a Memphis guy. The former Memphis State University is my alma mater. And you hold one over on me maybe for all time from 1996. I don't know how much you had to do with it, but Malik Rose, the NBA player, just he right here, Joe Lisi, just stuck the dagger in on my Memphis Tigers. That That's an all-time memory, and you have it at the expense of my school with well, Drexel. I only wanted to go to my grave winning one game in the NCAA tournament, and that has been checked off my bucket list at so, your expense. At my, at my expense, exactly. You're like the second most famous uh, Drexel alum. I think uh, actually Malik it's the Rose. third behind uh, – well, Malik Rose, let's count him, Chuck Barris, creator of the Gong Show, <laughs> the, uh, the munchkin coroner from the Wizard of Oz. He got his MBA there, <laughs> and then there's me. It's only appropriate that Chuck Barris from the Gong Show, which no one under the age of 35 has any idea what we're talking about, but that was a very funny show, that the Gong Show guy would be from Drexel and Joe Lisi would be with me. All right, so you mentioned that, uh, and I mentioned that you love to bet different ways and different stuff and uh, in person in Vegas. You are headed to Vegas, and it is the first time in two years that everybody's been able to go there with March Madness because there was no tournament last year. Oh, by the way, the COVID-19 pandemic, we understand all of this. So they've come back to a degree with some people allowed in the sports books. I want to report later on what it's like, but speculate. What do you think this will be like for the first couple of days of the tournament, Friday and Saturday, as this show is unfolding and as the tournament's unfolding? Well, having been out there for Super Bowl um, and the sports book was pretty full even then and I suspect that it'll be as much as capacity possible they got the chairs spaced out but there'll be reserved seating where I am at the Mirage so I suspect and you'll have a lot of young kids spring break whatever there and it, they'll be hooting and hollering especially with that crazy race to 15 bet for every game in the tournament first team to score 15 points and because these kids can't wait two three hours for a game they want instant gratification Right. And you had to explain that to me on the race to 15. Has it just has it amazed you at how in-game betting uh, and instantaneous I'm holding up the phone here on the video part of it, how the instantaneous I got to bet on who scores the next basket. I got to bet on what the spread is at the half or the over total at the half or the second half line. Does that amaze you at how ridiculous it's gotten? You see that a lot with the under 30 set, the instant betting, you know, it's not just the final score of the game, the over under of the game where you wait two, two and a half hours for the result. It's I want it now. So they bet who's going to score the next basket, who's going to have the next foul and uh, everything. And they're all on their phones in the sports book with their apps, you know, whichever app that is. But then and then they don't have to wait in line to get up there to make a bet because they can do it from their easy chair, whether they're at home or in the Vegas sports book and get instant gratification. This man is something else. Super Bowl wagering and different things. He always cleans up. Uh, I, I believe I, I met you in and around the time that you had a 15-team mega teaser in college football in the NFL, and it went all the way down to the final game, which was like Nebraska and Miami in the national championship game. It and was you ended up the year Nebraska blew out Florida 56 to something or other. Yeah, it was the 15th game of a 15-game mega teaser, and that was the year – South Carolina was playing somebody here in the Outback Bowl. Ohio State was down 31 to 3. I went outside, take the Christmas lights down, came back, and they covered the spread. Yeah, incre- <laughs> incredible that you you hit one of those. And you even recently, you were out in Vegas, like scouting out territory a couple of weeks ago and getting ready to come back, as you said, and be at the Mirage. 
And you did like a seven-team parlay then and put some money down just for grins, and and you cashed on that too, yeah, Joe. Seven-team money line betting the money line is just who wins or loses. No point spread involved. I bet a seven-team college basketball money line parlay. The last game was Oral Roberts. I think it was Western Carolina. I had the first six games right. Oral Roberts trailed by eleven with five minutes to go. I turned it off, left, went back to my room, pulled it up on my phone, and they won by four. And, and that, that's a ticket I'll be cashing it, tomorrow. So. I love that. So you were on to ORU, Oral Roberts, before a lot of other people were on to them as part of your parlay, and they're now into the NCAA tournament with a couple of dramatic wins in their conference tournament. Let's bring it back to your Drexel Dragons because that was the king of March Madness tournaments. The Colonial, the CAA tournament, had Drexel as a six. Correct me now. Correct. Drexel was a six, yep. and Elon was what, like the eight seed? The Phoenix and, and they Elon had- were an eight. And they had wiped out the top four seeds in the quarterfinal and the semifinal, the true Cinderella conference tournament final to go to the big dance, right? That's exactly right. It was a six versus eight for the colonial title. And uh, we took them by five points or so. We covered the spread that night, which was three. But uh, yeah, now we go to play (laughs) Illinois. Go figure. (laughs) Indiana Farmers Coliseum on Friday afternoon. Joe will be in a sports book in Vegas. You didn't brag just then. Didn't you have the Dragons and didn't you lay the points? Didn't you cash a ticket on the CAA final? Or were you concerned that you were going to jinx it for the Dragons? No, I have cash Drexel tickets, but I bet against them just as much as I bet for them, TJ. And I will not be taking the 22 and a half on Friday afternoon either. I'll just sit back and watch. I might bet the race to 15. Okay, the race to 15 might be um, in play. Uh, Again, for uh, fans that don't know here, Philadelphia basketball. You grew up in this. You went to high school and college and around Philadelphia basketball. I know Villanova is damaged goods in in this tournament. Uh, But when you talk about the big five that includes Villanova and it includes St. Joe's and LaSalle and Penn, I'm going to leave somebody else out. Temple. Temple is the other one. Uh, tell me about Philadelphia basketball because Drexel's now representing in the Philadelphia component, right. but, but for Philly hoops, you lived that for so long. Tell me more. And for the longest time, it was the big five. And finally we got Villanova and St. Joe and some of them to start playing us. And when we started beating them, not regularly, but every once in a while, they called it the big six. We'd have to play at the Palestra, always go down the street to play at Penn's campus. Drexel's first basketball game, or was it against Temple in 1894? And we beat them 26 to one. 26 to one. <laughs> but, but did Joe have the Dragons <laughs> minus 25 uh, on no, that I didn't line have in that. the first ever game? I just wonder, was that game with peach baskets or did they have nets or did they have to go up on the ladder and take the ball out of the peach basket like Naismith admitted the game? That was, by the way, that's actually in the original rules about the stoppage of play. And then they would do a jump ball after every peach basket bucket uh, in the game before they came up with nets. They did have nets for Drexel's first game and first win. Yeah, I believe so. It was played outdoors, too. <laughs> I love it. All right. Uh, give me uh, – you, t- you touched on it being out there in Vegas. Give me an idea of on 16 games on Friday and 16 games on Saturday, will you have money on all of them? Will you have money uh, on just yeah. some of them? Will you have combinations? How will you work that, Joe Lisa? I'm going to start Friday and Saturday picking three-team money line parlays where I'll bet three teams, money line, just bet them to the win take two early games and then a game later so that if I get the first two right, I can go bet the other team the other way just to kind of take out insurance and take the spread. So find three games I like. So out of 16 games, I might bet six. 
All right. And I'm just curious on the plans and the itinerary. So you already have a reserve seat, you said, at the Mirage. If this yeah. game becomes nice. close and we have a 16 jeopardizing a one and it's your team, Drexel, are you going to have people around you? Are you going to want, I mean, we're practicing isolation and social distancing anyway in these day and times with COVID-19. Are you, wanna, are you just going to go in your own bubble here if this is close in the second half with Illinois? Uh, yeah. Project for me. I'll be watching uh, one of my bowling buddies has gone with me, him and his wife. So he'll be sitting right next to me since we have two seats at the Mirage. I'll watch it all the way through. And uh, if a 16 beats a one, it'll only be the second time it ever happened. As you know, <laughs> the University of Maryland, Baltimore County did it. And they won by 20 when they beat Virginia. So it's possible. Is it likely? No, but it's no. possible. But it's also possible, too, if Drexel gets it done, I think I might know who might be buying drinks for a few minutes at the Mirage Sportsbook. He's been joining me on College Basketball Coast to Coast. Joe Lisi is fantastic to hop on here. Uh, get ready for the madness and the mayhem. My Memphis Tigers aren't even involved. So you know what? I'm going to live vicariously through your Drexel Dragons in this game with Illinois and root them on for this tournament this weekend. As if I have to say this, have a blast going out to Vegas. I want to hear all about it after the fact on or off the show and the podcast, but have a blast with this. And thank you for sharing with the audience what this is going to be like some 25 years later with Drexel in. I'll see you in another 25 years. And there he goes. Love the inside of my man, Joe Lisi. My thanks also to Mark Wise uh, for breaking it down with me. Again, follow Mark at MW Hoops throughout the weekend. The tournament is here. We're back on Saturday with another preview show for Saturday and everything that's going on this weekend in the 2021 tournament. And again, however you found this show, a social media link, et cetera, make sure that you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts to College Basketball Coast to Coast. It is streaming as well on TuneIn, top and bottom of the hour on the tag sports group channel tag 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 sports group search for it under sports we're streaming with college basketball coast to coast every day through march in the final four for now we're ready for 32 games on friday and saturday enjoy all of it we're back on saturday with a little recap and preview get ready for the mayhem and the madness on college basketball coast to coast